Welcome to the Top 5. Each week I discuss my top 5 takeaways from the NASCAR race. This week, New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Hello and welcome to the Top 5. I am your host, Connor. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is meant to be a 15, maybe 20 minute quick little podcast to recap the previous race and discuss the news and notes and what's going on in NASCAR. But before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to ask you to check out our Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and just search The Top 5, you'll find us. You can also look for us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash The Top 5. And feel free to disagree, agree, jump on, and let's just have a fun conversation about NASCAR. With that, let's get into today's episode. Number one. So, New Hampshire is a one-mile, pretty flat, pretty boring racetrack, to be honest. At least in years past. Um, This race did provide some action, better than, than in years I can previously remember. Only race, only stop um, of the year. They used to have two, but they gave the the other one to Las Vegas. And they do have a pretty cool trophy, the giant lobster. I always wonder, and I'd like to know what the winner actually does with that lobster. If I'm guessing, they take a picture, and that's the last time they see it. Uh, Before the race, during the pre-race show, a pop-up rain shower happened. Radar showed no chance of rain. Supposed to be sunny and nice the entire uh, afternoon, and and I guess a pop-up shower had other things in mind. Now, thankfully, they were able to get the track dried off and start. I believe they started the race as scheduled, but um, really changed a lot. It changed everything that the crew chiefs had from practice. The track was green and um it cooled off significantly which can really mess with tire pressures and handling Uh, so everyone was going into this particular race uh kind of unknowing what to expect uh and then the last thing was there was a pretty good sized crowd that that new hampshire speedway i think it holds like one hundred and sixty thousand. And it definitely wasn't sold out, but it was pretty packed. And I, I like seeing that. That, that makes me, uh, always makes me happy to see a full grandstand of fans. With that, let's get into the racing itself. Number two. So early on in the race, there was uh, some excitement. Lap number six, the 42 of Ty Dillon, uh, kind of hooked sideways and took out uh, Bowman and a couple other smaller name drivers uh, that was a bummer I, I know ty Dillon isn't going to be in um in the 42 car next year and he's looking for a ride and that's not really taking out one of hendrix guys is not really a good way to to make friends in the garage and for bowman what a great start to the season and he has just been miserable since he's had three dnfs in the last four races that's an epically bad stretch of racing bowman 
better get it together and figure something out because uh, if there's more drivers that win races than there are playoff spots, he might be on the outs. That said, he has a stretch of tracks coming up that really fit his driving style. Uh, Truex won stage one pretty dominantly, too. He took the lead early and, and just ran away with it. Uh, and into stage two, Harrison Burton did what Harrison Burton does. Uh, guy should not be in a cup car. If his last name wasn't Burton, he would not be in a cup car. Uh, he took out Corey LaJoy uh, and the 34. I guess technically it was Corey LaJoy's fault. I just have such a disdain for Harrison Burton that anytime that I see the 21 car spinning, I assume it's his fault. And I'm usually right. Uh, also at the beginning of stage two, Kyle Busch spun himself. This is something I've talked about a lot. If this next gen car, the back end just snaps around. And that's what happened to Kyle Busch. And that's what caused a big giant smile on my face. Watching Kyle Busch spin is like music to my ears. Uh, more takeaways from the mid part of the race. NBC has been doing this dual picture thing where they're showing two separate battles happening at, at one time. I can't stand it. It is awful. NBC has been bad at coverage. It just continues to get worse. It's like they try different things to to be less bad, and it just it's a fail every time. Uh, stage two at lap 146, Blaney spun. Kind of a bummer. I had high hopes for him. But like Bowman, there are a couple of tracks, Pocono and Michigan, coming up that Blaney should should have uh, success at. If we get through this regular season without Blaney getting a victory, I'll be absolutely shocked. On the restart from the Blaney spun, uh, spin, Chase Briscoe spun, uh, and Eric Amarola was having uh, issues with his um, gearbox, only had third gear. This is Eric Amarola's final season, and it's not been very good. Uh, kind of a bummer. I like Eric Almarola. I think he's a quality guy. He's a good racer. One of those guys that nobody has anything really negative to say about. So it's always kind of a bummer to see him uh, out of the race. Uh, as we wound down in stage uh, two, Kyle Busch had worked his way up to 13th after his spin. And then the greatest thing in the world happened. He spun again. Man, was that wonderful to see. The only thing better than a Kyle Busch spin is another Kyle Busch spin. Single car accident, back end whipped around. I'm sure he was crying like a little baby. He had previously said the next-gen car is difficult to drive. Maybe. Seems like 14 different winners would disagree with you, but uh, okay, Kyle, whatever you say, buddy. Uh, and during that caution, uh, the three car of Austin Dillon and the six car of Brad Keselowski had a disagreement and nobody could figure out why, 
TV went back and, and watched, and there was nothing in the previous laps that really showed anything negative. But on the back stretch, uh, during caution, the three car kind of went up and just gave the six a, a little tap, a little, hey, buddy, uh, what you doing type thing. And the six absolutely lost his mind and just tried to wreck uh, the three car. And neither one of them really had anything to say about it after. I mean, other than complaining about each other, but I still don't know the reason. If you know the reason, let me know. Uh, but it was kind of fun to see. Uh, and then to finish out, um, Martin Truex Jr. won stage two dominantly. At this point of the race, after stage two, it seemed... Uh, without a doubt that Truex was going to win. He was just running away with it. But that's when we get into stage three. Number three. So Elliot and Bell had worked their way up past Truex. They had fresher tires, and those two raced really hard, clean, fun racing to watch for a good number of laps. Uh, eventually... Christopher Bell passed Elliot with, I think, 20-something to go and then pretty much ran away with it from there. Christopher Bell got the win. Congrats. Good for him. Uh, good guy. There was a a uh, picture or a cutaway on the, on the screen showing his pit box. And on the pit box, you could see his wife just absolutely fighting back tears with, I don't know, three or four laps to go, just desperately hoping that her husband got the win. And that's the type of thing that, or one of the many reasons that I love NASCAR. It is so emotional and so hard to win at, at the cup level. And it means so much to these drivers and their families. People that don't get it and say, oh, it's just cars driving in a circle... I always say, yeah, you're right, it is. And then kind of feel bad for them that they'll never understand how exciting and how emotional and how important winning these races are. Uh, so congrats to Christopher Bell. He had uh, a giant lobster in victory lane. He did a pretty sick burnout. And he makes the 14th winner. Now, the format was designed that if you win a race, you're automatically in the playoffs. But that might not be the case. Speaking of the playoffs. Number four. There are six races left until the playoffs, and there are currently 14 different winners. That is crazy. And with the races left, we have Michigan and Pocono and Richmond and Watkins Glen and Daytona. There's just almost no chance, in my opinion, that we don't have 16 or 17 or even 18 race winners. And we see someone miss the playoffs uh, with a win. Right now... Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. after the New Hampshire race are in the playoffs um, on points alone. 
barely. Martin Truex is in tied with Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick is out due to playoff points or stage wins. Um, I just don't see a way that a driver makes the the uh, makes the playoffs. I'm sorry. I don't see a way that a driver makes the playoffs on points. It's just not going to happen. I can't imagine in the next handful of races that Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, uh, Martin Truex Jr., I can't imagine them not getting a win at one of these upcoming tracks. And then follow that up with Daytona, Indy Road Course, Watkins Glen. All of those can provide a Hail Mary winner or a first-time winner or first-time-this-season winner. I think the 2022 playoffs coming down to the stretch is going to be insane. I can't wait to watch it. I'm excited that I get to go to one of those races at MIS, see it in person. It's going to be absolute chaos. And not only will I be excited to watch it, I'll be excited to report what I see each week with you guys. And hopefully you guys can share your thoughts with me. With that, let's look forward to the next race. Number five. Coming up this weekend is Pocono, the Tricky Triangle. Uh, I'm so glad that Pocono, they stopped doing the the uh, two races at Pocono. I always thought that was kind of a, a crummy idea. Two short races didn't really make sense. Pocono is such a cool and unique track, being that it only has, technically it only has three turns. Some people argue it has six turns. Some people argue five. There, there's a, a whole discussion about how many actual turns Pocono has. Typically on a NASCAR track, when you change direction, going into the corner and coming out of it are two separate turns. At Pocono, though, you're not fully changing direction, I guess. But it's a very fast track. And I think what we've learned so far is this next-gen car at tracks like this provide some of the best racing that we've seen in years. So I think tomorrow we are going to see an amazing race at Pocono. And I can't wait to watch it. Um, hopefully the weather holds out and and it's, you know, clear skies and hot and fast racing. My prediction is Ryan Blaney cashes one in. And I think I'm going to keep picking Ryan Blaney each week until he does, because he has to at some point. If I'm betting with my heart, I'm betting Joey Logano. But if I'm betting with my pocketbook, I'm betting Ryan Blaney. So go right ahead and bet the house on Ryan Blaney to win. And if he does, chip me off 10% for giving you the heads up. If he doesn't, you probably shouldn't have bet that much anyway. That's on you. Before I go, I want to remind you one more time to please search me on Facebook, The Top 5. Hit that like button. Share your thoughts with me. You can also search uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the top five. Let me know what you think. I would love to have a conversation with you about NASCAR and uh, whether you agree or disagree. 
So thanks so much for listening. This has been the Top 5, and I'm Cut.